Halloween plans, Adrian, start with you. Have you got any? Um, currently, I'm. this is very thoughtful for this podcast. I'm yep. going on the 30th to see Rocky Horror at Drive-In. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Are you dressing up as like a character from the movie? or? No, I'm going out after it. And I'd, right. um, so basically, before Heather decided to um, fuck off to Italy, we mm-hmm. were planning on her to go as Rocky and me to go as Frankenfurter. Fantastic. But now, but now she's in Rome, so mm-hmm. she's getting fucked. So I'm going as a cow. <laughs> okay. It's I'm a it's a cow. sharp change. I have to yeah. say, it's went from Frankenfurter, and I'm thinking maybe maybe I just go as magenta. You know, maybe I go as ref- mm-hmm. no cow. I'm going to the drive drive in of Rocky Horror, then I'm going out and I thought that the Frankenfurter costume was a bit provocative for the masses on a Saturday night. So I'm going as a I'm going as a cow because my friend Ruth is going as a pig but in a police (laughs) uniform. (coughs) Interesting, exciting times, Quacky. Do you have any Halloween plans? No, I am unfortunately working both the Sunday and the Monday. So, yeah, I did get an annual invite to DJ Halloween party at Strafe Union. But, of course, uh, your boy is now corporate, so he's boring as fuck. I know, I hate that you went corporate. You know, you you were the least corporate person I knew. I know. Until, until this job neutered, neutered you. What was your neut- favourite? What's been your favourite costume you've worn in the past? Oh. See, I, I normally like... Um, I, I'm not one for... I've bought a couple of costumes, but I'm one for making up my own shit. Right. And Mr. T was up there. Uh, nice. Dressed up as B.A. Baracas. I got my hair shaven like him and everything. That Fantastic. was a regret. No, um, that's, a, that's great dedication <laughs> to the role. I appreciate uh, that. That one was cool. Um, I dressed as a pimp. So, I have also dressed as a pimp. You're the least pimp person. And- uh, AJ, when this is done, I'm going to send you the photo. It's iconic. <laughs> it's iconic. In fact, you know what? You know what? Let's compare pimp photos. I'll, yeah. I'll, po- I'll post mine in the chat. Right? It's because I was in Boston at the time. Oh, and, right, I and I, I didn't have a lot of options, so I just found someone's like vest top and i was like well, okay if i get like a a purple funny coat and a hat this will be fine and a cane i found a cane as well and it oh. worked out very well see my cane was a putter a golf club putter that is also fantastic and uh, it should be used for a movie character one day i think i'm going this year um as fat thor from avengers endgame it's my costume That's so well What's the thing is you're pulling that off very well dude I think I can pull it off very well. The problem is, right, a couple of months ago, I wouldn't have needed a pillow. But because I went in that pure PT fitness thing, I was wearing it the other day and I was like, I should have left the PT till after Halloween. Because now I feel I need a pillow. Now I'm like, I'm in somewhere between a no man's land, between I'm not in the place where I could be actual Thor. However, yeah. I'm no longer in the place where I'm playing a believable fat Thor. So I, I need yeah. to go. <laughs> so Why I don't... don't you just do Thor and just bronzer some abs on? See, I disagree with bronzer and abs on. Because I, I just think that, you know, it, it never looks good. And I... I want to look authentic, AJ, <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> so, so see, see how this all works out. Um, but we're going to go away from the Halloween conversation. We are in spooky season here at First Time Films. We're going to be talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, released in 1975. Um, it was directed by Jim Sharman, stars Tim Curry, Susan Sandon, Barry Bostwick, among others. It was made for... 1.4 million dollars and i'm going to we're going to play this game again tonight aj how much do you think this movie made at the box office mm, what what was it made for again 1.4 million mm, i'm i never get it right i never get it right. <laughs> and the thing is see because it, it's a cult film now but i'm thinking when it came out people thought it was a bit weird yeah i don't know if it I don't know. Mm, 1.4. Yes. 
but also crazy people love crazy shit probably went and saw it multiple times I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a hundred just like rounded number a hundred okay a hundred million quite high quacky what you're going for one billion dollars no. though <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go for 200 quacky's closer it's actually yeah. 170 million now you've got to remember that this is a movie you're going to see it in a drive-in theater so yeah. i don't know if this number is from its initial release all the way up to now Wait, wait, AJ, are you paying 170 million for the dragon movie? <laughs> <laughs> what, yes. what kind of money have you got? <laughs> AJ's paid 170 million for a drive-in. She can fund my next movie, but that's beside <laughs> the point. If I had 170 million, do you think I'd be working? <laughs> yeah. No. I, don't I, know. Would, I would be in Mauritius lying down while my assistant plans my next movie. Never mind. <laughs> no, but all I need is a measly 500,000. You have another if 165 I, million. <laughs> if I had 170 million, David, I would give you at least a mil. A mil that, for is, oh, that is so nice. That That's so nice like because David would even get a penny. <laughs> <laughs> I would give you, I'd give you a sweet mil for um and then like for a good for a good credit you know yeah oh, fantastic not that, not that i need the credit but i just like to be involved <laughs> well we'll talk later aj you're you're talking my language here but you're you're further away than quacko so you'll lose again at the box office game uh but <laughs> money with the money game yeah, you're terrible at the money game, but you are good at talking movies, which is why you are here. Do you remember the first time you saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I, I remember I remember the first time I showed it to someone else, but I don't remember the first time I saw it. I think I was definitely in high school. Okay. And I remember I remember people, I remember my friends talking about it, but I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming I must have watched it with my friends. Like my friends in high school must like got gay babies we were. Somebody must have told me it. And then I remember I was in the charity shop, must have been about 16, and I saw a copy of it and I bought it and I took it home and I showed my little sisters. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And then, that was around the same time or a couple of years before the Glee rocky horror episode was oh. and then after the glee rocky horror episode everyone was talking about it yeah i don't know my time skills all built around the glee rocky horror episode <laughs> i but do it, have to say there's one glee performance that i do think is better than the movie um and that's science fiction double feature which i think mm-hmm. naya rivera does in the show yeah um, well i think yeah. her vocal performance is obviously better Te- yeah, technology and technique, but Glee's lacking in every other area. Every other area, a hundred percent. Now, Quacko, I believe that today this is your first time film, as per usual. I watched it last week for the ah, show. <laughs> it's, it's a longer time gap than usual. I'll give you. What that, were you but... expecting? See, when you went into it, did David tell you anything about what it was about? No, he he has a habit of doing that. Uh, like when, uh, for example, uh, the film that I'll never forgive her for, uh, Shit of Ages. Rock of uh, Ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sorry about that one. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you're not. Don't even lie. What do you mean? What was what was wrong with Rock of Ages? He hates it. What, what, what was what was right with it? I don't like Rock of Ages. <laughs> not even Stacey Jacks could save it for Quackers. Oh, <laughs> the sex icon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Quacky, what'd you what you make of Rocky Horror? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was up there. It was interesting. Um, my first say, what well, the first thing I said to my girlfriend because, um, so I, was, I I I watched her at her house and um she went away for a bit, left me to my devices, and then kind of came back with like ten minutes to go because uh, she'd seen it already. And the first thing I said is is for a seventies film is way ahead of its time. <laughs> A hundred percent. And I think I think that's a big thing, AJ, because we talk about why this film has such a cult following, but I think it's because at this time there were not a lot of uh, movies for queer individuals being released in the cinema. This is definitely one that found that audience at the time. Definitely. And it's become obviously 
like a massive cult now like people will like there's showings of it there's live sing-alongs there's like everything you can go to any like loads of rocky horror like show themed club nights and all that because it's as became such like a queer cult thing as well because it's just so different and i think it that's what it's all about it's all about being different in a time where not a lot of people were and i think that's why a lot of people relate to it yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's it's everything from from the costumes to to the sort of general sexual fluidity and ambiguity that's going on within it. It's absolutely fantastic. But Quacky, we need to talk about the sort of the, the film in depth more than its impact. Let's look at the film itself, and it starts off with the criminologist narrating the tale of, of Brad and Janet and the criminal just pops up again throughout this movie just sort of informing us of what's happening and he injects himself into songs like the time warp it just cuts back to him and he's like it's just a job to the left like what, <laughs> what did you think of the of the criminologist as the sort of framing device of the film and um, he's like the original uh, scene in rap and hip-hop you always have the original MC. They're, yeah. they're always like the hype man, the, the OG, OG, as they would say. It seems like this is the original MC. A bit, yeah. a, a, a bit I, I think it was unintentional, but yeah, he is the original MC in this one. Mm-hmm. He is the original MC, according to Kwaku. AJ, do you agree? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's actor Charles Gray who's playing this, and he's mm-hmm. he's known for playing villains, really. He's, he was Blofeld in the James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever, uh, and he was also in Mycroft Holmes in Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, so it's quite a big name to be in that part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it's one of the things where it's like people who, because he, he was such a big name, like people who maybe wouldn't have watched it were probably like, why is he in this? What's that about? And that's probably been another draw, but yeah. Yeah, 100%, it, yeah. 100%, 100%. But then we get to meet Brad and Janet. Uh, they're at a wedding. And they're just like, oh, when am I going to get married? And we get the damn it, Janet. Uh, I love you performance as he yeah. engages. But AJ, what what are your thoughts on Brad and Janet at the beginning of this movie? They're just that sort of heteronormative couple. Do you find them irritating? Do you root for them? What's your what's your Brad and Janet thoughts? Well, obviously, on like first watch, you think that they're just like normal and boring, and you're like, oh, I hope something weird happens to them, and then it does. <laughs> and later on, you realise like the whole point is that like they are both like in their own right sexual people and with sexual fantasies and they're both a bit freaky and then and it's like I think that's like the point of having them be so normal at the start is that you realize that even normal people like have a little freak on do you know what I mean so at the start you're like why are we watching like EastEnders (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the straightest most boring thing i could think of that quick (laughs) they're they're ready to get on in a church i think Uh, (laughs) see that church i mean there must be no no time spared it's quickly shifted from a wedding to a funeral yeah nah they've got money to make yeah, 100%. I, I think so. I think so. And the, the movie's got money to save because it reuses so many actors at that bit uh, as yeah. well in the, in the background. But that's going to be a foreboding, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. And also to save on the budget. They'd only also, have a 1.2 also, mil. <laughs> yeah, also save on the budget. Uh, but Kwaku, the, the, the tire it goes, you know, they're stuck in the woods. They see this house in the distance and mm. they go inside and they are greeted by Riff Raff, played by Richard O'Brien, and his sister, uh, we come to learn, Magenta. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I just say, right, see when Riff Raff opened the door, yeah. I'm small by age here, I was like, that's the dude from Crystal Maze. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> Who hosted Crystal Maze? Was that Jasper Carrot? Was that... No, no, it was Richard O'Brien. He hosted Richard. it for a good while. Oh um, my god, did yeah, you host well, Crystal Maze? Yeah. No fucking way. That is he hosted insane. Crystal, honestly, he hosted oh, Crystal Maze. No chance. So, what the hell? So when he opened the door, I was like, do 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 Anyway, I'm going to have to try and recover for that uh, <laughs> in a wee bit. I've also, I'm looking at him now, he, he voices 
Ferb's da and Phineas and Ferb as well. So my mind is a bit blown by this uh, information. But regardless, we He's everywhere. Uh, Clacky, you hadn't seen this movie before, but I'm sure you have heard the song The Time Warp. So when yeah. they f- first started to perform that, did you know that that was from this movie? Or yeah. were you like, hey, that's that song I know? No, 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 I, I didn't know that one. Because, uh, see, when I, I'm DJing, and I'm DJ Halloween nights, uh, like I'm a I'm a video DJ, so I basically play the song, but I'm also playing a music video. Yeah. So I'm like remixing the songs and the videos and combining them and whatever have you. So when I do play the time warp, it is actually like it's not like movie doubt, but it's clips taken from the movie right. and made into a club like a club theme that makes it work in a club. Nice. And so I don't know. So I, I I've. I, like I've seen the video that I've obviously mixed, but not looked at it properly. Didn't even realise that's the Crystal Maze dude. <laughs> 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 it was only when he opened the door. I, I, I can't wait for Quacko's next set when he just points out to the crowd. By the way, <laughs> you look here. That is the guy for Crystal Maze. Yeah. It is honestly, it was uncanny. It's like he opened up one of the games in the medieval sector. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> There'll be some American people listening to this thinking, what the hell is Crystal Maze? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it is, you need to go and look it up. Uh, and also, because I mentioned Jasper Carrot, there's a show called Golden Balls in the UK that you also need to look up. Because <laughs> that had some of the most iconic moments in TV. But anyway, AJ, we make see, it the time See it, because it's diverse. See no, it's if you want Golden Balls, you, uh-huh. you, both your balls will be steel. <laughs> you don't even have a split ball yet. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I don't know. Because the tactics are golden balls, you need to be sure that they're not stealing either. So nah, I'll, some people don't care. Some people are just savage. Yeah, I know. Especially do you remember the blonde woman that that was basically begging the other guy not to yeah, steal from her? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. he, and then she stole. And then the look at the camera. That was excellent TV. But anyway, I digress. So we make it make mm-hmm. it with the time warp. And AJ there, the Brad and Janet are like, we've had enough of this. These people are, are weird. They're making me feel things. And and down the elevator oh, comes the sight of Dr. Frankenfurter. It is Tim <laughs> Curry. They are singing Sweet Transvestite from Transylvania. Tell, just tell us about the importance of this moment in cinema as a whole, because this is, this is fantastic cinema right here. <laughs> well, this is the moment where the status quo goes out the window. Mm-hmm. This is it. They've came, they've broke down, there's been a disruption. They go and try and fix it, and they're like, no, let's just leave. And then they're like, no, you can't leave. And down <laughs> the elevator <laughs> comes Frankenfurter and changes both their lives forever and changes my life too. So yeah. it was iconic. It's iconic. And I remember after seeing the Glee one, me and this is so, like, obviously not really knowing the full extent of how inappropriate it is, me and my little sisters. Would, would like act out that whole scene because obviously you know how they, you know how they act out on stage in Glee we would act yeah. out and I would always play Frankfurter and we would like pretend that my living room door was the elevator door and it would open then I would step <laughs> out in my mum's heels and it's just like such a moment where oh, you're like because obviously because obviously the people who are going to watch this because it's like queer and like interesting and weird they're going for the weirdness but also if you're watching this not really knowing what to expect that's the first moment where you're like because like if you see all the other characters yeah they're a bit like they're a bit weird looking but they're not like they look like they could be in part of a theater show or whatever but they yeah, are like igor and frankenstein yeah or like, something like, that, they look yeah. like they're having a halloween party or they're dressing up or whatever but then frankenfurter comes down and you're just like ah uh, there's some kinky, sh- there's some kinky <laughs> shit going on here. Yeah, some kinks are going on. Well, Quacky, is that your reaction when you saw Frank and uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I was just trying to take it all in and get over the Crystal Maze, dude. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was... I mean, my, my first thought was also the fact that they've turned up to... I mean, imagine breaking down and you turn up to a place to make a phone call, and then you're greeted with all of that. 
<laughs> I, I don't even think they still made that phone call so yeah yeah 100% Kwaku Kwaku is watching it thinking that is the guy for Charlie's Angels what is he doing here <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is probably when I saw Tim Curry for the first time I've talked about my oh in fact I didn't see him for the first time in Charlie's Angels but I did see him for the first time as Long John Silver in Muppet Treasure Island it's probably the first time <laughs> that I saw Tim Curry. What an, what an iconic! And I spoke to because I think Jack wanted to do this show, but he's away to Spain, the lucky devil today. <laughs> and he was he was saying just how much he loves Tim Curry, and I was like, I, I don't think you can truly love Tim Curry till you see this movie. Like this is this is Tim Curry'd up, you know. This this is this is Tim Vindaloo, is it where? You know, the hottest version of Tim Curry. <laughs> I'm just completely all here for it. But he's like, come up to the lab and see what's on this lab. And they go up and he's like, right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a man. It's a big hunky blonde man, Rocky, here he comes. And then things start to go awry, AJ, because a, a big singing man on a motorcycle bursts through the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to reveal himself, a man who would do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that, is Meatloaf. <laughs> now, I I watched this for the first time. Might not be a surprise to you, it was a Keir Bachelor like, house gathering. And I'd never seen it until Keir Bachelor, and he was like a bunch of theater people, and he's like, Hey man, we're gonna gonna watch Rocky Horror at my my, my place in Govan. Do you want to come by? And I was and like, oh. you were all singing along. Yeah, and I <laughs> knew nothing. I'm just like flabbergasted. But it was at this moment that I just looked at this man and I was like, Sounds like meatloaf. My god, it is meatloaf. <laughs> and the range of musicians transitioning to acting or musicians acting in movies where does meatloaf rank for you aj do you know what like it's a good part of the part of the film and he does a good song but also Mm -hmm. i don't think for me personally it's not the best number so i therefore Mm -hmm. don't care yeah because to be honest i didn't really know who meatloaf was till after i'd seen the film (laughs) obviously obviously i know who i knew who Meatloaf was but I'd never seen him so when yeah. I'd seen Rocky Horror I didn't put two and two together until like the credits and I was like alright oh, okay there's <laughs> such there's so many niche references on this show so I apologise to people <laughs> I saw Meatloaf's likeness for the first time because I was a, a like, huge fan of like classic rock like growing up and stuff like that so I knew the songs he was the judge on a show called Pop Star to Opera Star in the UK and I'm not making this up that was a show David only you would remember that which I believe was won by Joe McEldry but (laughs) yeah had competitors such as the lead singer of Top Loader who sang Dancing in the Moonlight competed in it is that when is that when Darius the Nest reared himself again I think Darius is in Darius uh, Colourblind Darius yeah I don't if you can remember that, then yeah, I'm very no, impressed. because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I remember because I was at a Scotland game, right? Sorry, I'm going way off topic. It's fine, here. on you go, on you go. I welcome this today. I was, I was at a Scotland game and uh, he was announced to be singing the national anthem. And they just said something about pop star to opera star, and he sang an opera. Um, but he did all right, except for one thing, he did not know the bloody words and he got booed. <laughs> oh no! Well, I can tell you that the judging panel alongside me for this show was Catherine Jenkins, as you'd expect, uh, mm. Rolando Villanzon, and that's a made up uh, name, <laughs> Lawrence Lewin Bowen. Uh, who's known for his television uh, BBC shows? He's like a hairdresser. What? He's at no. He's a yeah. He's like changing rooms and all that. Like yeah. he's he's yeah. all about like. What does fan. he know about opera? I have to. I do have to tell you this, uh, Kwaku. You are right. Darius won season one. Yeah. Joe McKeldry won season two. Uh, but Darius had stiffer competition because he beat Vanessa from the Saturdays, Jimmy Osmond, Danny from McFly, Kim Marsh. And Bernie Nolan from the Nolan Sisters. So oh. a who's who lineup. 
saying it has to be said. <laughs> but, but anyway. Who said we didn't get A-list for this kind of thing? Yeah, back to the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remember why I'm here. Yeah, so I do have to say, if you haven't been listening to The Missing B, which is a, a podcast we've been doing on this network, it's myself talking about the erasure and the presentation of male bisexuality yeah, in Hollywood course, cinema. it's yourself, Tom. Yeah, it's Please. myself. I've, I've just been, it's just been me for like 20 minutes talking. It's been fantastic. But if you want an analysis of the scene of Frank and Fair having sex with both Janet Vice and Brad Majors, please go and check out that <laughs> podcast. But long story short, Quacko, uh, Riff Raff tries to, I assume, light Rocky on fire with a candlestick, it looks like, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> who then runs away. Mm-hmm. And we get this scene of Frank and Fair are just basically coming back and starting to fucking whip Riff Raff and everything's going to shit because Janet's now fucking Rocky. We get the appearance of Dr. Everett Scott. Mm-hmm. And this might be my personal favourite moment of the film where it comes in and he's like, Janet, Dr. Scott, Brad, <laughs> Janet, Rocky. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just want to know how many takes that took. I think it's repeated. I was trying to tell because the only one who seems to say it differently is Susan Sarandon. Like that's that is the only thing that I think of. But <laughs> quite in this bit with with Doctor Scott, what was your understanding of the plot at this point in time? Because I believe this is the first point that aliens are mentioned in the movie. <laughs> um, I was still trying to work out what exactly had happened because, like, how Frank had managed to morph himself into mm. different, and also, you know, how I always say the thing of like looking at films back then and looking at them now and stuff like that, yeah. you can't help and um, you can't help but think it was a wee bit rapey. No, it was very rapey, it was yeah. sexual mm-hmm. assault. Like, yeah. Janet, Janet says no. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very problematic, like yeah. I, I think, in this presentation. Mm-hmm. Very much so, very much so. So I was a bit still confused as to what was going on. I think I need to watch it again for another, another, you know, what I mean, full understanding yeah. of full what understanding. Was, <laughs> of what the f was going on. Yeah, um, but I with Doctor Scott, it was just a. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was just it was just quite hard for me to fully fully get grasp what was going on. Yeah. Um. Especially the see. This is the trouble I have with musicals. Is that like sometimes they would just be doing something and then all of a sudden a music hits, and that's why I really hated Rock of Ages because especially the music did not work to what they were trying to describe. But. Quacko, uh, back in that, because as I said, Tom Cruise and the reporter were clearly about to get it on and then sang, I want to know what love is. I don't understand how that doesn't fit. I, <laughs> I think that's the perfect time to sing a song about that. Um, but AJ, with regards to this, the plot from, as you alluded to earlier, from when Frankenfurter hits, everything just goes out the window. Because the plot doesn't actually matter, I would argue, in this movie going forward. It's just more a vibe and an aesthetic. Am I being unfair to to the story of Rocky Horror? Or do you agree with that somewhat? No, I think it's just meant to be absolute chaos. And it is. Until you get to the very end where they're floating in the pool and you're like, what did this all mean? Nobody knows, but it was fun. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it does make you feel something. We we will get to that point. Anyway, they... I believe it's implied they serve Eddie at dinner um, before <laughs> before they <laughs> before they go back up uh, and Frankenfurter is chasing Janet out of jealousy and they all get hit by the Medusa transducer turning them mm-hmm. into stone. Yeah. And we then get the stage play uh, complete with the RKO Tower background and the swimming pool and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, was, I was just like, sorry, wrestling reference. Yeah, Randy Orton's like, there. What has Randy Orton got to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. A true RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and, then, and then they end up doing like those can can kicks. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, AJ, this is 
just all musical performance for what feels like 10 minutes straight. And I don't know about you, but it's probably one of my favourite parts of the movie when they just yeah. descend into full singing. Mm-hmm. No, love it. Love it. And that's what it's all about. It's all about performance. Mm-hmm. So there's seven yeah. performance here for film. Yeah. I think it's like seven minutes. Yeah, 100%. And then um, Magenta and Riff Raff turn on Frankenfurter, who then gives a very emotional goodbye to mm-hmm. everyone. And I think they, they just wanted to, you know, be seen for doing something. You know, they just wanted to be loved, essentially. That's how I interpreted it. You know, I don't really know. Um, but the house gets beamed back up. Frankenfurter gets killed. Rocky gets killed. Um, little Nell Columbine uh, gets killed. Uh, Columbia, sorry. Columbine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was very wrong there. And, uh, the movie ends. And Adrian's right. We sort of question what it all means. Now, Kwaku, when this movie finished, how did it leave you feeling? Uh, like... CGI in 1975 was shite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the most pathetic laser beam ever known. <laughs> nah, have you seen the original Star Wars? No, not Star Wars, Star Trek series. There's no, yeah. no such thing as some shit CGI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's very true, very true. No, it's... It was just what up there is like one of those. It was very intriguing for me, to be honest with you. Like, I've never seen anything. Like, I mean, well, I've not seen much, but I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, it was just taking it all in again, you know, me and trying to take in films. I've tried my best here and everything, but yeah, it, 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 it was good. I can see why it's one of those instant classics that people do love. and love around Halloween especially because I mean the setting's just perfect. The castle, Riff Raff. I mean Riff Raff mm-hmm. alone is Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And <laughs> AJ, you, you've seen this multiple times. Yes. Is there what do you get from the rewatch? Like why do you keep coming back to um Rocky Order Picture Show? What is it well, about it that I think one of the like watching it on your own or watching it like in your house I think it's like it's just about I don't know it's, it's fun like you're going through the story which is is crazy like there's no point in trying to follow the plot it's more about the <laughs> musical numbers and like the craziness and the laughs and the jokes but then I think what the way it gets elevated is when you go see it like outside your house like I've seen it like I've been to screenings of it where you get like handed packets of like props to to use during it and I've been to drive-ins and I've been to dress up ones and I've seen it in like the Kings a few times like actual stage performances of it and there's nothing that beats like that sort of community spirit because as much Mm -hmm. as it was aimed at when it came out for people that like things that are a bit different or for queer people it's exactly mm-hmm. that when you go see it or when you go watch it with other people it's like people dress up people really are immersed in the whole sort yeah. of thing and the whole point of the film being like don't dream it be it people can act out their own sort of weird fantasies and feel like they're not alone and being a bit different when they watch this film and when they interact with it so I think that's like I think that's why people keep on coming back to it and why people want to keep on seeing it and how like oh, I'm going to go see it for Halloween and it's all and it's like mm-hmm. sold out because everyone wants to go see it 100% I find that sense of community is important like the first movie the first cult movie I can remember seeing when a screening was like that I was in Boston and I went with um Liana in Boston um, to go and see The Room uh-huh. um, and it was very much the vibe you're describing people are saying lines as they come up they're throwing a football around whenever sport is mentioned or they toss the ball whenever mm-hmm. the picture of the fork appears they're throwing plastic forks at the screen I questioned Liana as to why she brought a full bag of plastic forks when we went in <laughs> and she, to which she replied you'll see um, and I was all of a sudden I'm throwing forks at this screen, you know. So I would yeah. love actually to go and see Rocky Horror in that similar environment because I don't think anything beats it. Like we talk about this era of, well, we've got streaming now. Why are we not going out at the cinema? And I think that's you point to a movie like this as the reason. It's that community atmosphere, 
you know what I mean? It's what it brings you, what, it's what that gives you. And it's something definitely I missed during the pandemic. I've tried to go back to see anything I can with my limitless card since they reopened, but definitely a screening of, of Rocky Horror in public would be good. Kwaku, would you be interested in going to see this again in that environment, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Uh, I've always said I want to go to a drive-in uh, cinema. I've always wanted to go and I've not but see that this is an issue with me is that when I want to go and see something like that, uh, I then look at the price and then I look at the film as like, I've seen that before. I'm not paying fifteen quid for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the issue, isn't it? It's, it's money, and I think they do need to make it more affordable for people yeah. in the cinema. But I, I, I hesitate to give ratings for this one because AJ, it's one one of your favourites. I'm assuming that you're going to give a, a very high mark here. Yeah, it's, it's. Do you know what? This is the thing. It would be a 10, but obviously, like many things nowadays, it has been tainted but with problematic issues, obviously, yeah. like we have already discussed. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, it gets a 9. But I feel like like there's not... Well, actually, really, do I give it a 10? Because there is no perfect film, and every film's got its issues. And I think it's, oh, it's, it's, pers- it's, pers- it's personal to you. Yeah, it's historical, and it, and if it were to be remade now by yeah. queer people now, it would obviously yeah. be less problematic. So I think yeah. at the time, it was remade, yeah. um, and I think it was a full transgender cast. Let me try and just mm-hmm. find. Yeah, this can for... I ask actually on that? Like, mm-hmm. were the cast like actually like LGBTQ plus or? Or were they like? Is there any because, like, that's something I'm always because um, I'm always looking out for is like when they touch on the, the notes of representation. Like, were they actually kind of you know what I mean? Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, I don't think Susan Sarandon is like. To be fair, I believe that Susan Sarandon, like in her case, is a very, uh, very much a LGBTQ plus like advocate. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think these people are liberal, but I don't. I wouldn't say that they were. Right. Yeah, I think they need to be at least liberal to do the, yeah. the part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I can't yeah. see a stone's religious conservative. <laughs> 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 Trump rally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tim Curry's like Brexit means Brexit. But anyway, <laughs> go and watch the movie of me in a corset. Fucky, um, <laughs> what are you rating this out of ten? Because um, why not 6.9? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Very salacious. I'd probably, I'd probably say 8, probably for the reasons mm-hmm. that AJ said about it doesn't age well. And to be honest, like because I did write about this in my dissertation, I got sick of it for a wee while. And mm-hmm. this is the first time I've probably watched it in two years. So I was happy Under to what capacity it. did you write it about? Like uh, Negatively. Uh, but anyway, oh. moving on. <laughs> 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 go and listen to The Missing Bean, you'll find out. What I say. <laughs> to be fair, I go after so many movies in the, those series that I actually like, but it's part of a, they're part of a larger problem. You can acknowledge that films are part of a larger problem and still Every, enjoy yeah. them. Everything in, everything in the industry has problems, yeah. especially when it comes to representation. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, well, I think it would be it would be a miss not to, because we are recording this uh, today on the 27th of October, to acknowledge the tragedy that happened. Um, Helena Hutchins uh, was unfortunately killed uh, on the set of the movie Rust being shot in New Mexico. It was a, a firearm uh, which accidentally discharged on the set. Um, and I think we just mm-hmm. sort of wish uh, her family well at this time. Uh, Joe Souza, who's the director of the movie, is um, was injured. And you can only wish him well. And I hope there is an investigation carried out into that for the negligence of what's happened there. Because especially, we look back at the history, look back at Brandon Lee, for example, who was killed in the set of The Crow um, due to a similar incident happening. There are a number of safety protocols that should be in place to stop this from ever happening on a film set. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. some, someone losing their life and, you know, and their, well, their job's going on. And uh, I hope that also... Maybe it leads to a reflection. Do we need actual firearms? That's like, what I was going to say. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. They, like in America, they're still using real guns. Like yeah, a hundred percent. And I think well, that's the thing because they use it for the sound, and I get that. But we've come a long way with technology. Mm-hmm. 
we can easily get that sound in fully and add it in later. You know what I mean? There is no need for. I I personally believe having these prop guns that are remodeled from actual firearms because I think the risk is too great for that to happen. But obviously, well wishes yeah, with the family and stuff. Um, on to happier news that is definitely just for me um, because the first time films gang are probably sick of me talking about it to them alone so I am going to talk about it to you as well and this will happen <laughs> on every show until the movie comes out it's just to let you know that at the time of recording it is 83 days 2 hours, 35 minutes and 45 seconds until Scream is released and I I, I, I personally <laughs> cannot wait for this film <laughs> i have watched i'm not lying to you over the past week i re-watched all four scream films and had some thoughts about gail weathers which i tweeted out that that woman is the real mvp does not get enough credit and the moment that dewey tells his wife to stay out the investigation in scream four is when dewey was dead to me because let me tell you something you ignorant bastard all right she did more to solve those murders of three serial killers, I mean five because two of them were like doubles, than any other law enforcement official in the series. Did she get money out of it right writing a book? Yes. Was she a selfish bastard? Absolutely. But that does not mean that she was not effective at her job, Dewey. And <laughs> I swear to God, if Gail and Dewey are still together at the start of Scream 5, as much as I love the franchise, I may walk out. Because <laughs> she doesn't need that. She should be living her best life as a reporter, away from Dewey. And that's all I need to say. All right. I had to get this out of my system. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't know if anyone agrees. You know, AJ, are you a Scream fan? No. That extent, no. Okay. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that it's two weeks and a day until Spencer comes out. <laughs> now, <laughs> is, is this the Kristen Stewart movie? Yes. Right. I seen the other day that there's a really can't remember the name of the website, but there's a site where it's like ten critics who throughout the year predict the the Oscar races. Mm-hmm. Right now, all ten of those critics unanimously agree that Kristen Sure is the favourite to win Best yeah, Actor at the Oscars. Apparently her performance is incredible. Yeah, I'm looking and forward so to what? it. I expect nothing less from the Queen of Lesbians herself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never thought in my lifetime I would see not only Kristen Stewart, who's like the reason I'm gay, and Diana, who's like one of my favourite historical figures, become one. And see when it got announced, I was like, nah, this is a joke. And see now I've seen the ad, I'm like, I see it. Yeah. It's manifested in front of me like some sort of wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who your competition is because apparently Jessica Chastain's got a movie coming out. Apparently she's in the running. And the other main contender was probably Gaga for House of Gucci. Oh, I'm so excited for that too. Yeah, it's a very queer year for the best actress gag. It's basically the gay gay Yeah, it's the the gay icons quacko category this year. (laughs) I believe it's going to be, uh, hopefully the best actor category is the same. Uh, But we need to see, I wanted to say that I have seen two films. I wanted to, in lieu of news, right, basically I wanted to do a mini, ask me anything with the two of you, because I don't know if you Mm -hmm. have interest in seeing either of these movies, but I have seen them. The first one is Halloween Kills. AJ, you have been on, I believe, both of the Halloween shows that we've done potentially on this network. I have. Have you seen Halloween Kills yet? Are you going to see it? Uh, What is it? (laughs) Let me get to it. (laughs) It's the follow-up to the 2018 one. It's the sequel. When did it come out now? Yep, it's out. Nah, I've not seen it. Yeah, I... I have to say, I do not believe it's worth your time. If it, I... wasn't, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would have never seen any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, in two, maybe in two years we'll review it on this and I'll be the first one. The first I don't, I don't know one. if I can bring myself to do it because I went with Jack right, and we sat there so excited because both of us really liked the 2018 one. Yep. And they keep saying this phrase, basically the concept of the movie is Michael Myers has somehow survived from that fire and going on a killing spree, but Jamie Lee Curtis is in hospital, so now the town have formed a mob to hunt Michael Myers. But instead of actually hunting Michael Myers, they spend most of the movie saying things like, we need to get him, 
or, or we need to be prepared or you can't stop and all that. And I was like, for one, what the fuck do you know? Because what experience do you have fighting this man? The only person who should be able to utter a word about the subject is Jamie Lee fucking Curtis and she's in the hospital. And then they keep saying, evil dies tonight. And if you played a drinking game, for how many times that phrase is uttered, you would leave the cinema absolutely fucking legless. Like, <laughs> there came a point, and you know, Jack, he said on this podcast, he struggles with horror films, right? He looks at me and rolls his eyes about the fifth time that they said Evil Dies Tonight. And I usually will try and defend films against the wrath of Jack Higgins. I found myself agreeing with him in the cinema. And that, when a film manages to make me agree with Jack's stance in horror, that is not a good place to be. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, the second film mm-hmm. I've seen, Dune. Has anyone got interest in going to see Dune? I've got much interest mm. in seeing Dune. Yeah, well, you, for, you bo- for the cast. <laughs> yeah, have you booked yet, or? No, I haven't. I haven't. Who are you, who are you most excited to see? Um, obviously, I don't you know what. It's a straight toss-up between Mister T and Zendaya. Obviously, yeah, I do like. Yeah, yeah, I do like Jason Momoa, <laughs> but. I don't. To be honest, I know what I like. I've I've read the blurb of the book, so I kind of know what it's about. But yeah, I like. It seems like one of those things that should be a series, but it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like it seems. Is it meant yeah. to be part of a series? This is a. It's definitely a part one. Yeah, and it seems- comes up. The title at the start comes up doing part one. Does it right? <laughs> yeah. I I thought as much because I was like, they've got to make a series out of this because they're not going and getting. Timothy Jalamy and Zendaya to do a one one off film like that's yeah. a that's a series kind of cast. Yeah, so yeah 100%. I, I will I will go see it and probably really like it and then probably be excited for the next one. <laughs> Quite curious. Have you seen anything about Dune? Have you seen like the advertisements anywhere or anything like that? No, the the only thing I've seen recently is James Bond. So did you enjoy Bond? I, didn't, I do I do enjoy Bond. I really yeah. do. I mean, I'm confused as hell when I first watch it, as usual, but no, I, like, I like Bond. <laughs> to be fair, the problem with No Time to Die is that it's so closely linked to the plot of Spectre, which yeah. is a terrible film, and yeah. <laughs> like, and easily the most forgettable Bond. So when I managed to get past that, I enjoyed No Time to Die. But in my, See, in my opinion, nothing beats GoldenEye. GoldenEye? Did you, did you play the game back in the day? Oh, big time. Uh, yeah, I've still got on the Nintendo. <laughs> nice, fantastic. You have a I've Nintendo? Still, That's very yeah, I've got N64. That was my first games console I got. So, yeah, still hooked up. I've got the PlayStation 4 and the, the N64 hooked up. Do you know, just to diverge a wee minute, I will come back to doing AJ, don't worry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get a PlayStation 1 again because I was talking to Cat and Sonny, who I train with in the FCL. Like, go and check out Cat and Sonny on YouTube. Not that they need it because they get like 20,000 views every video they put up. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about Digimon the other day. And <laughs> I remember having this game called Digimon World on mm-hmm. the PlayStation 1, which, no joke, is the hardest game to beat in the planet because it is kind of like Pokemon in terms of like it's a fighting game. But it's also like Tamagotchi in that you need to feed the Digimon, let it shit when it wants to shit in the right place, train it, <laughs> but don't train it too hard that then it becomes resentful towards you. And this all decides like how it's going to evolve and stuff and how it's going to survive and how it's going to fight. I really need to play that and beat this game because it feels like this was marketed towards children out of sheer cruelty because no sane child has the patience enough to beat that game. So <laughs> that's that's going to say. But AJ Dune is uh, phenomenal. I think. Is it? I think, is, it yeah, is it worth? I, is it worth a trip to the Odeon? Yeah, it's worth a trip to the Odeon Key. Um, in that's, fact, I, I live right next to it too, so it's not much of a trip. But yeah, I, I go there all the time. Like I, I just a sucker for the recliner seats. I'd also I know, say right? I'm uh, a Nachos, but that's yeah. the best in any cinema. If showcases was good for Bond, if you can see it in IMAX. I'd also oh, recommend that. You know, I'm right across from the from the size <laughs> AJ, mm-hmm. this is because I don't know if you, Blade Runner 2049. Obviously, you love yeah uh, the Blade Runner series. Is you, know Villan- you know I love a bit of dystopia. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. same director of Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw 
Blade Runner 249 in the IMAX, it gave me chills. Yeah, I, I, also, me. I also saw it in the IMAX. Yeah, because I've told the story about when I told the two Waynes to leave who <laughs> were whispering to each other, I thought this movie was about running and Blade Runner 249 <laughs> and they were the only other people in the cinema. <laughs> I'll never forgive myself for basically kicking them out the Odeon <laughs> that night. But it was, it was quite funny to look back on. But this, this is a similar thing. Go and see it in the big screen as possible because Timothy is great, as always. Um, like yeah. Zendaya is fantastic. I'm Oscar glad Isaac. that he's managed... Also, Oscar Isaac, what a man. But also yeah. I'm glad Timothy Shalmy's managed to claw back his reputation from the... Um, the cannibalism scandal. <laughs> yeah, he was never the cannibal. <laughs> yeah, but he was so associated. I mean, that's it's a harsh association to make. It's not his fault that Army Hammer. Maybe it was his fault. We may never know. Well, um, we never know. But also, Quacko Batista is in this movie, um, mm. and he is fantastic. Just like he's fantastic in Blade Runner twenty forty nine in the short scene at the start. Um, mm-hmm. Big man with tiny glasses, uh, Batista <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. I what love description. the fact. I love the fact that Batista has become like a legitimate actor under Denis Villeneuve. Like mm-hmm. it's it makes me so happy. Like to see the man who I saw powerbomb a seven foot five human being at the Brayhead Arena in two thousand and seven become a legitimate actor is outstanding to me. But anyway, we have mm-hmm. went on so many tangents this episode. We have. And I, I kind of love it. But it's time to say goodbye. AJ, a pleasure as always. I can't wait for next time. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what next time we'll bring, but we'll see. Hopefully um, I'll see June and then we can talk about which I've, what I've just Googled, which is Oscar Isaac's nude scene. So <laughs> he, is, do. he is nude at one point. Yeah, it's that's not, it. Not to spoil anything, it's not very sexy. Is um, it not? No, it's, 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 just don't get your hopes up for that. Don't don't let that be the same. No, I'm like I'm not that into Oscar Isaac. I think he's very attractive. But Heather, my girlfriend, for those of you who doesn't know, yeah. um, says that Oscar Isaac is the only man she would ever go for. Listen, so, for those of you that don't know, you and, you and Heather are, are first time film's favorite couple couple of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not even a comparison. Uh, Kwaku, as always, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. You know, um, still on my quest to watch more films. So yeah. this podcast has definitely broadened my horizons. To... I'll, okay, I'll get you a good one. I won't give you an all rock of ages next time. I promise you. Fair or not. You fair or not. That, that's my resignation. If you do. I will, I will say, Boys in the Hood was mm-hmm. a great episode because was. That, that was a first time for me as well. And mm-hmm. I love that movie. But anyway. I'm going to be honest with the viewers here, the listeners. Um, I don't know what the next film will be. Uh, it will be another horror Ooh. one. Um, I don't know who's available. Uh, I don't know what movie they want to watch. Uh, basically, <laughs> I'm going to try and get Nikki, Ian and Marnie on the show. But since they are the three hardest people in the pod to nail down, mm-hmm. we'll see what comes ends up happening. But until next time, <laughs> see, see you later on. Here. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Bye, guys. Peace.